Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. Well, I, I guess that means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Should we do it? Uh, I mean, Max is here. I don't really have a choice. Let's go. All right. Before before we get started, uh, I actually should say I was, I was somewhere yesterday, and um, someone asked me. Uh, they they just said, you know, how's it going? And I I usually am conscious of this, and and so I try to say, and I've caught myself a few times. But uh, as a friend who who you know is familiar with the, the podcast, and I, I just blankly you said it's pretty okay i did, i said he's like oh how, how's it been i'm like pretty okay i was like oh and he like chuckled <laughs> and i was like i'm sorry <laughs> that's that's fantastic uh but you know th- this week you know we're in even even still we'll we have another episode uh you know sean um nevertheless we persist ne- nevertheless she persisted uh what do we have on tap this week um so we are continuing to explore something that we have talked about a little before uh which is sports fandom oh not online dating okay (laughs) no that that will require uh, that's another episode where we probably have to be in the same room so we can uh indulge in some alcohol and some group therapy um but you know with we're sort of in the throes of the nba finals um, baseball is rolling along and uh, a, a thing that I think I've heard discussed in a few places and I imagine you probably have too is uh, that sports fandom has changed a lot from uh, essentially from our parents generation but even from you know 15 to 20 years ago and there, there's a big, big catalyst to that, which is uh, ESPN, uh, but really more the internet. Yeah. Um, so uh, there was a time when, if you grew up in, I don't know, let's, I don't know, let's say Cleveland. If there, there was a time where if you grew up in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You were going. You were just destined to be a Browns fan, unless I, I mean, unless you were, you know, born into a family of transplants who who yeah. were you know were carrying existing different fandoms with them. Uh, but that's not really the case anymore. Now, if you are are born in Cleveland and and you want to be a, a football fan. Uh, you have all these tools available to you where you can be exposed to national teams. You know, maybe not quite as much as your local team. They're still going to have, you know, uh, sort of a local monopoly. Um, certainly, certainly local local news-wise. Um, but you could grow up a Chargers fan. In, in Cleveland now of your own volition yeah um, and, and and that's that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today is just you know f- how fandom has changed uh, you know what it's done to 
what it's done to rivalries. Uh, you know, how how does one navigate being a sports fan in an age where uh, you kind of you have to make more choices now? Yeah, and and I think your your point about the transplants is is a good one because if you, I mean, like our parents, if you happen to be if you're family so to speak was from you know the northeast and you moved to cleveland uh you you gave like oh well you know maybe that's you're not a fan of the browns because of that you could be a fan of uh you know maybe maybe like the the jets or something your your family is from new jersey but you know before this you know the the online nature of of sports and be able to follow it you could say you're a fan of the Jets, but how are you going to see it? You're not going to have the games on TV. There's not this saturation of, of all mm-hmm. the games being on. Um, so you could say you're a fan, but there's really no way to follow. And I think that that's, that's, that's kind of the other aspect is, you know, is that if you decide not to be a Browns fan, is there is there any guilt, uh, you know, is there... Mm. Should people be able to shame you for that, for not being associated with, with your regional fandom? I mean, Max, I want to kick it to you here very early because you are from you are from a region that is known for, in a lot of ways, certain aspects of regional fandom. But this online, you know, these, I'll go ahead and say it now, the blank nation, wherever you're from, some of the teams in your area have the biggest blank nations. Sure. You originated it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Red Sox Nation is is big. Patriots Nation is big. I would. I don't. Your your example with Cleveland. I don't think that would work in Boston. I don't think it would be enjoyable in the slightest to be a fan of any non-Boston team in Boston. And someone said this recently. I was with a coworker. Mm. I work in Boston. Um, and a coworker who had moved from uh, California, and he was like, "This is a really weird city." He's like, "Everyone <laughs> here is a fan." of these four teams. And there's no competing teams. There's no, like, New York where there's multiple teams in the same sport. It's just those four teams. And everyone there is a fan of those four teams. There's no Yankees bar, as far as I know, in Boston. There might be, but there's, it's like, it, so, I think it would be literally I, miserable. You'd get heckled that, if you wear, you get heckled if you wear a Lakers jersey around Boston. Like, you're wearing a Yankees well, jersey. Yeah, yeah, it's I, not, that wouldn't be fun. I mean, those, and I don't, I don't think your example with Cleveland, I think that more has to do with with the the quality of the of the program so the that the two, Browns are providing, the two providing. teams I do want to point out that you mentioned are historic rivals, and I think it would be different if you wore a if you wore a Braves jersey in Atlanta. Uh, sorry, a Braves jersey in Boston. I think that might be different. You know, Lakers and and Yankees not a good idea to do in Boston. But I would <laughs> also say this. But also from the opposite <clears throat> side, probably no one gives a shit if you wear a Celtics jersey in LA. I think that well, LA is kind of notorious LA for not is, being a good yeah. fan city. Well, LA. Well, I, I would say that it's more that LA is a city of transplants, much like DC, you know, and and to some extent New York, you know, it's a destination where you know there's a lot of people from out of town, and I think there there's maybe less of that in Massachusetts. Also, it's a little, little more parochial. You have not even the transplants in LA, but now in. Very soon, football, basketball, baseball, they have sort of mm-hmm. kind of multiple teams uh, for, for each sport. Um, but, you know, that's kind of a sort of word. I do want to say this about Boston because I think, especially right now, um, in like the last, let's say, 10 years, uh, maybe even a little longer, it's really great to be a Boston fan in Boston because they're on a 
I'll say it, a ridiculous streak of winning. Uh, I've been to a few parades. Uh, <laughs> we gotta end the podcast because Max is about to die <laughs> to catch these fans. <laughs> I mean, I so because in, like, in the late '90s, it might have been terrible to be in Boston as a fan. I think by you know if you if you follow uh, Bill Simmons' accounts, it it was. Um, I, I would say too that that for Boston. Uh, probably more. I, I don't know if this is a, a team sort of thing, but I mean, considering that the Patriots are the New England Patriots and not say the Boston Patriots, uh, Boston is I guess maybe the epicenter, but the region, you know, it, it's sort of fascinating to think about like where the regions extend for different teams, uh, and, and you know, I we've, uh, you know, we've talked to Jared. Our, our our friend friend of the pod before about uh, I think about maybe uh, Connecticut and how Connecticut is is kind of a state torn torn between the Yankees and the Red Sox, um, you know. So so I wonder if you test at some point you have to test the limits of like where where your region really extends to. Um, I, you know I don't know I think it's maybe maybe something to think about, but. I think you made a good point, Max. That it's it's easier. I think it's easier to stick with sort of the old, the old way, uh, and be be that you know parochial sort of local fan when things are going really well. That, that that's a good point. I think that's part of it, and I also just have noticed, and this probably also goes along with things going well. And I don't have enough experience. It's it's basically between, you know. Massachusetts versus like Northern Virginia, which is a very, I don't want to say nomadic. It's a, it's a very uh, transplanty place. But like yeah. the percentage of people growing up that I would consider to be at least on some level fans of those four teams was so much higher than the percentage of people I meet here that seem to care about sports. So, and I think that you just said something important, which is that it's easy. It's easy when when everyone is. It's like everyone. Uh, has some level of caring a lot more so, I think, than in places where you might not have national teams, and certainly not national teams that are winning. So the other thing is, I think Boston, and I will, I think a good comparison is probably Atlanta, is there is a a region with a, you know, a, a fairly large population, but Boston is like the only big city for a great. I mean, the second the second largest. Uh, we looked this up. The second largest city in the New England area, I think, is Worcester, isn't it? It is. Yes. Yeah, which is crazy because it's it's not a it's not a suburb of Boston, but it's not very far away. And then so in Maine, in Vermont, in New Hampshire, um, you know, these are there are a lot of people, but this is the biggest city for for a good bit there. I mean, into Connecticut as well, um, and you have Rhode Island all there. So it's like. A lot of people, it's like this is the the only epicenter. This is our region, um, and Atlanta is very similar. And and I I, I kind of go to Sean here is there's Atlanta, and then there's a lot of nothing as far as cities large enough, I think, to support a sports team. I mean, mm-hmm. Alabama and the rest of Georgia, South Carolina, and you end up having um, you know Turner, and it was a really big deal when they put Braves games on TV, and it was just yep basically from from the you know the the shores of South Carolina and up into North Carolina down to Texas and keep in mind also that 
they had in Richmond, which is probably the second biggest city for a while, they had their AAA affiliate. Uh, my grandmother is a Braves fan. Yeah. She is a Braves fan because she could watch the Braves. Yeah. She's living in either exactly. New York or Vermont. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so that that's sort of, like, that's the origins of this for me is, like, I think about, um, I think about baseball and, and, you know, there were two teams with national TV deals, the Braves and the Cubs. So... The you know the first sort of the first times that I watched baseball, it was those teams. Um, there, there's the old old saw that the Cowboys are America's team, uh, and that is, you know, I, I, I'm not sure a hundred percent sure what the full origin is, but I think part of that is that they were, you know, they're one of the teams that plays on Thanksgiving every year, so. That that's a national thing. It doesn't matter whether you're in, you know, Irving, Texas, or in Boise. Like you could see the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving. Um, there, there's kind of like a there's kind of like an everybody's second favorite team thing about it. Yeah. Uh, it it's it's like how uh, every uh, every American Catholic's second favorite college football team is Notre Dame uh, because they have a national distribution deal as well. Um, so. B- you know, but that that sort of goes back to the point of uh, fandom being at least partially connected to access. And you know, I think about my life, and you know, I grew up a Saints fan. Um, I I latched on to the then Hornets, now Pelicans, when they came to New Orleans when I was in I don't know, fourth grade. Um, that that sort of solidified with Chris Paul, um, and and of course Anthony Davis. But I never really had baseball or hockey teams, and you know there there wasn't. We had a a really shitty uh, minor league hockey team for a while called the New Orleans Brass, um, and I think there's still a, like an autographed hockey stick hanging somewhere in my parents' garage. Um, but the you know the baseball is like it was we watched what what we had so I watched Braves games and I liked Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin um, you know watched watched the odd Cubs game Sammy Sosa was pretty cool when they were you know hitting homers all the time um, but I fell out of baseball for a while and and then uh, after the, I guess the summer after I graduated from college um, I, I was around you guys I was in. I was in the Northern Virginia area, and I said, you know what? I maybe am missing out on, you know, enjoying baseball by by getting behind a team. But rather than defaulting to one of the two teams in that area, I mean, I guess more likely the Nationals than the Orioles, but I I said, there's all this baseball of it. Like, I can watch, you know, I can watch any team. Um, and and try to figure out who who speaks to me, and that's how I wound up, you know, coming back to the the Pirates and and you know to some extent as well the Astros. Um, so for me, like there there were two kinds of access. Like I was you know geographically I was close to the Nationals, and we went to Nationals games on the Fourth of July. But I had, you know. I had access to choices that I probably wouldn't have had access to if I 
graduating from college in 1994 as opposed to 2014. Yeah. Um, Max, you were... So that makes sense for for baseball with you not having something available, but I'd like to go back to you Mm -hmm. being, like, a Saints fan. And I I think there's a lot, like I said earlier, about, like, people in the Boston area, and it's like everyone seems to care at least a little bit. And and do do you not think that there's an aspect of, like, being a part of something, being a part of Saints Nation in the place where everyone is a fan of the saints like when this on the sunday when the saints I don't play think like, i don't think of that as that saints not, nation i don't that's uh, i wrong, think it's a very different term, thing being a saints fan in a place where everyone is you know you go to a place and there's there's energy it becomes more of a a, a social thing um I, I mean that's different from access because you can yeah you can watch whatever you want but but if if everyone around you is pulling for the same team and and when they win the local economy does well and like doesn't that kind of pull everything towards making it uh making you want to root for that team so what i i I mean it does but i also think that that concept you don't think about you know when you're eight you don't think about the effect on the local economy of your team winning but unless unless maybe you're a really mature eight-year-old and you're you know your parents work in, in some sort of industry that's directly affected by it like you know, I don't. I don't know if my if my parents, were, you know, managed a downtown hotel, and, and you know, I, their success was largely dependent on whether people were coming and and staying, you know, in town for Saints games. I imagine that that would have factored in. But I, I think the social aspect of it is an important force. But I I think that. We also grew up, I mean, it's really, it's not that long ago. We grew up in the time before we had those other forces available to us. And I I think there are, you know, there were moments, there were moments that happened that sort of crystallized Saints fandom for me. I was at the first playoff game that they won in franchise history. Um, You know, I had... I had the post-Katrina Saints and, and, you know, Steve Gleason blocking the punt in the Monday night football game against the Falcons when they reopened the Superdome. Um, but now, you, you know, if, if you're growing up I and mean, you're, you know, you're 10 now, I, I wonder if that force is as powerful if you're not like, going to games. You know, I, I, think, I think another thing that we haven't, uh, we haven't discussed yet today is that you know the, the ubiquity of fantasy sports as well it, it's made it much easier to root for players um, you know which is another thing that has sort of I think weakened you know s- team fandom it, it, is that uh-huh. you know I like the Pelicans but I also like I like LeBron I like Kevin Durant um so, I mean, I, I, my, my Pelicans fandom is, you know, it, even though that is the team I care about the most, it's probably softer than it was five years ago. Um, sure. You know. I, I still think the 10-year-old would be impacted by, like, I don't know, if you're 10 and all your friends are Saints fans, you'd probably be more likely to become a Saints fan. I, yes, I, I think that is probably true. I think that maybe happens less often now. So t- I think what I'm 
what I'm getting, and I think, Max, you're, you're pushing this, and, and I, I don't think it's untrue. I, I think your example, Sean, of picking a baseball team now is kind of a, in many ways, it's a weird example. I mean, you grew up, there wasn't baseball sure. right there immediately in a region, but a lot of people are picking, picking. Uh, they start to follow teams, I think, more, uh, you know, at, at a at a younger age and things that I, I think are, and even if you're picking later on that are very impactful are people around you that like having a community and mm-hmm. winning. I, I think that's really powerful. I mean, I remember being in, you know, I remember a lot of kids in my class being the same way, you know, okay. in the, the mid, the mid nineties or whatever. It's like, Oh, the bulls are cool because they're on TV. They're winning and a lot of people like them. You know, the bandwagon effect, I don't care for the Bulls, yes. and I didn't really care for them then. But as I started to be able to to follow teams on the internet, I could follow someone more closely. But exactly. to the this to, is, That's an important point. To right. the community aspect also, what I think the internet does is, even even if you're not, you know, talking to someone at a bar or, or you know, at at your rec soccer practice if you're you know 13 14 years old uh about this your community is the people online with you even if you can't see them even if they don't really exist in a lot of ways uh Mm -hmm. that becomes a community and i think the other thing and especially with baseball uh you know there weren't a lot of people that were diamondbacks fans when they won their their world series um and i don't know that there are many now but you could kind of create winning by looking at the game differently. And it's like, you know, right now I think that the 76ers are having a resurgence. It's because they've got characters and, you know, they're starting to see – they. you set a bar a certain way and your online community talks about it in such a way that you said, oh, yeah, things are better. Or, you know, look look at the – look how well our team is hitting, especially when you consider the launch angles. At some point it's just going to – we're going to progress to the mean or, or whatever or it's going to get better. You can create different ways to measure winning, especially in baseball, I think. But that's yeah. I think the point that communities have those communities have largely moved online is a very important one. You know, we we, we read things from SB Nation. I mean we we talked what, two weeks ago about you know, news aggregation and yeah. here's how you and I both get newsletters from SB Nation for baseball and basketball. And we don't get you don't. I don't think you subscribe to like a Nationals newsletter. No. You subscribe to the the Say Hey Baseball, mm-hmm. and, and you know. But even even within the you know the Nationals, whatever the Nationals um, subsite is called, you know, you don't know for sure that the people who are, uh, uh, you know, that the people who are writing for that site are are even living in the DC area now much yeah. less you know natives uh who you know who were I'm, the nationals is probably a tricky example because they are a, a late comer uh to to the league but you know I read pirate stuff and I don't know whether the user writing it is is a you know a dyed in the wool yinzer from Pittsburgh um so like I, I think that I mean between between that, between Reddit, between you know just you have so many other other tools available. You have so many other possible communities outside of just 
you know, who, even as a kid, like who you go to school with and, and, you know, what teams they're fans of. Like, I think that, I think, I just, I see all of those traditional forces having weakened a lot. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I'm almost inclined to say that the, you know, the Boston area and the things you've cited, while true, are, are maybe more the exception that proves the rule. Um, because like you could get into the Saints now from somewhere else because, you know, because you're a fan of passing football and and you you like the offensive innovation of Sean Payton and Drew Brees, um, where you couldn't do that, you know, if you couldn't, uh, if you weren't in a market where you were seeing Saints games. Like you just you couldn't do that. You could read box scores. You could become as much of a Saints fan as reading box scores every Monday would allow you to be. But now you can follow Saints Twitter. You could be part of their community on Reddit. You can subscribe to their SB Nation site. You could, you know, you can find Saints, you know, video clips. Oh, well, I guess you can't really do that. The NFL is very controlling of their of their uh, hashtag content. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really, I think, I think the access is becoming, you know, I think access has always been a powerful force, you know, because traditional fandom, you, just, you had access, <coughs> sorry, to, uh, to a, a couple teams at most in your market. Yeah. Um, and now, now we're inundated with everything all the time. Sure, yes. and and to be and to your point, like you said about about Boston, I mean that's my experience from you sure. know the past ten to twenty years ago, and now the way I see Boston is through you know bars and nightlife, and yeah, those people are all fans, but those people all grew up pre what most of the stuff that is that you're talking about. How Boston is going to look in ten or fifteen years could mm-hmm. be totally different. I don't know the answer to that, and I think another point of access that kind of goes along with the whole internet thing is is radio. Like, I grew up, if you were in the car, you were listening to the radio, or maybe CDs or tapes, sure. but probably the radio, and it was probably, like, sports talk, and it was local. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of, and now you have podcasts, and Spotify, and you have, you have every other option to listen to. Satellite, satellite and Whatever radio. you want in the radio, satellite radio. So if you're driving in the car, you could be living in D.C. and listening to a San Diego Chargers podcast. And that was sure. not a thing, and I think I mean that's, an, that's that's just another level of access. But for me, like we listen to Red Sox games on the radio growing up. That's the, and yeah. granted, that's specifically listening to an actual game and not like uh, talking heads. But that's the two kind of go hand in hand when you have your local broadcasters that you become attached and to. You with mentioned broadcasters, so many games. and I think that that's that's probably the strong the the strongest of that is probably in baseball because oh, yeah. let's be honest, baseball has the most. It takes the longest. There are the most games, and mm-hmm. the games are you gotta fill space Just and so much content. Yeah. People, you know, the radio a little bit, but I think even more on TV, you get some relationships built up with the um, the commentators there, the color commentators, the broadcast team. Um, so I think you do miss out. That is like the one thing I will say that you're gonna miss out on unless you're in that region, because mm-hmm. the way the rules are, and you know these contracts, you can't. You can't if you're if you're in Arizona. I'm not going to be able to listen to the NAS games. Yeah, Max. But you can with the internet. Y- you yeah, can. You, you you can. You just you might have to. I, I can tell you how. Yeah, you may have the, to. The MLB the MLB app lets you pay. I don't know, two or three dollars a month, and you have access to. You can get both 
local radio feeds for oh, any game. That's even easier than the than the than the mes- yeah. the methods I, I was. So like I'll, I'll listen to Pirates games with the Pirates local, you know, Pittsburgh radio feed. Yeah, I mean I prefer I think the TV stuff is, you know, maybe a little bit stronger to build a connection, but I think the radio is true too. I mean, isn't that what? But isn't that what league passes for the NBA? You get yeah, local broadcasts. You do, you do. I think that the the basketball local broadcasts are not quite as interesting as the baseball ones. Just again, mm-hmm. because the number of games, the amount of time you get to develop uh, the characters, and it's filling filling the the empty space when someone is you know holding a ball for thirty five seconds before throwing you know the one zero pitch. Sure. Uh, so I, I think maybe the last thing that I kind of want to get to in this is there are stalwarts in this regionalism. They're Red Sox Nation. That's one of the first ones. Um, and I actually I don't hate to pick pick on one particular fan base, but you do still have these stalwarts like the St. Louis Cardinals and their fan base. I, I get the sense there's a certain connotation. They Their organization plays the game the right way, whatever the hell that means. Uh, maybe. God damn it! I just, I I hope all of you listening, like all all seven of you or whatever, heard the massive eye roll I just did. At me? No, at the the concept of the cardinal way. Okay, cardinal way can go fuck itself. So, and and I would say that, but (laughs) let's mention Brian McCann here. There also have to be gatekeepers for that idea. And the Cardinals fans, which is this, I don't think it's a very inclusive group. Uh, I'm not. We uh, there are plenty of dead spin pieces about how they are pretty exclusive about certain things and certain people. Uh, it, you know, it is this. It becomes this exclusive group of like, oh, you know, we're smarter fans, we're better fans, we're more respectful because we we also support this doing doing it the right way. So I feel like that that is. <laughs> maybe they're just not they're not trying to recruit outside people like they're not trying to get people from here to to invest in that but at the same time that's their you know to be a fan of that team if you like that kind of thing that's that's there for you but and they've bred they've bred a national hate they do but bred a national hate too so i think i i think that sort of what what maybe you're getting at here and and i think that i've noticed is that it's still one of the things that hasn't weakened is sort of the the you know the the really good rivalries um you know Yankees Red Sox obviously uh <laughs> Carolina Duke is still I mean they're so close um uh, I mean I'll I'll defend Saints Falcons to the death uh because people who don't pay attention don't realize how how ugly a ugly a feud that is um i mean the afc north uh the three the three competitive teams in the afc north have these just bitter ugly you know occasionally brutal rivalries um that that have seemed to they've sustained themselves really well themselves and and they're actually that's something that i think has maybe grown stronger so with with that increased access because now you can you can observe that without being a a, a party to it so i think part of it is in all this in some ways is to max's 
a point he made earlier, which is especially with football, there are only 16 games. They're all played in most cases on the same day. You can find a way mm-hmm. to watch most games. There are not, and this I think is very unique, it, er, very unique. That's that's a stupid phrase. This is unique in this. There are not local broadcast really of games on television and you want to watch football on television. So I think that that, the, the like limited nature plus as far as rivalries go, things that people remember about rivalries, things, and I'll use basketball as an example, things like Gerald Henderson accidentally uh, giving the people's elbow to Tyler Hansborough, uh, that, but in football, these people get to hit each other and <laughs> show their aggression <laughs> and a rivalry. Whereas in baseball, because you didn't really give, I mean, Yankees, Red Sox, that's so, like, there's so oversaturation in the coverage of that. And in the last few years, it hasn't been a great rivalry. I think that rivalries in football will probably already exist, but I don't know if it has as much to their being sustained in this new age, or if it's that mm-hmm. they can the players the players definitely hate each other, but the people it's like well I watch them hate each other, so they just feed off of that. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I mean, we, you still have. I mean, and I mean, you still certainly still have red asses like Chris Sale and and Brian McCann trying to, you know trying to inject a little a little football into baseball yeah max yeah well i love that you kind of brought up i think for the first time in the pod today uh college sports and i think that might be a kind of cool example of like the purest form of fandom that's really not geographically based i mean yeah Mm -hmm. around college towns there's going to be a bubble of of fans but Mm -hmm. other than that for like for larger colleges, there's just going to be fans like all across the country and world. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of cool when you're going to get like you probably have like a Duke bar in so and so city, and 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 you because it's not necessarily based on region, you can have affiliations with those teams based off of you know family members that have attended or or yep. f- players that you were a fan of. So that's 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 I think that's kind of a harder one, and I don't. I think it's really a great thing, but I I don't know if we can spend too much time on that because with that it's different. It's like you you've you know in the case of going to a school, you've literally made an investment in in that, and they've to some degree made an investment for you. So there's this really strong connection with that. That if you are if you're on the outside looking in, like no one should be a fan of. I think UVA has a football team. No one should be a fan if they did have one. Well, I was talking about like kids growing up. I mean, we were talking yeah. about ten-year-olds picking a team. You you haven't gone to a college, so a lot of ten-year-olds are going to pick players they like, or they're going to cheer for the team that their parents are cheering for. Yeah, maybe where they went. Well, I mean, but they're going to pick a team, but, but I don't this... think it's a regional thing. I mean, I I grew it's... up rooting for Syracuse basketball. Yeah. No, I think it's you're right. It's not. Uh, you know, but there's still, I think, that connection transfers in a lot of ways. It's like, if I convince someone to have a child with me, you know, if I have a 10 year old, it's like, you're going to root for UVA because it, to some degree that put a roof over your head, you little shit. But not football. No, no, no. We don't, we don't do football in this house. <laughs> we don't do football. Please just go read instead. You're just going to doom them. Oh, Richmond this. Spiders. Oh, that's, man, I, the, the choices, the, the choices, uh, the, the things. The choices available to you are real sad. Yeah. And, and, oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about sports fandom anymore. <laughs> that that seems about right. Um, well, if you have thoughts on uh, how how fandom has changed for you or or for you know for the society, 
for the culture. Oh, okay. I, I have one sure. more thought, Sean. Sure, a question right. for you. Fire it up. I'm, I'm just curious. Do you think that along with all this change, do you think that the, 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 the concept of fandom has changed in this sense? Do you think people are now more open to being fans of multiple teams? And yes, being like less of a fan because it goes back to kind of being fans of players. Like instead of everyone's, everyone is a hundred percent this fan. It's now it's just it's that's, it's dispersing I, in general. I think that's is that an kind internet of thing? It's constant I, interaction yeah, with everything. I do. I yeah. I think the I think it's drifted away from its original connotation, which was that you were a fanatic. Sure. Um, I mean, I I generally I don't have a I don't know that I have a problem with that. Um, I, I kind of like that I can be, you know, casually interested in, you know, what's going on with the, I, I don't know. I I guess I don't have any, I don't have too many ancillary teams that I would say that I'm like a real casual fan of. I would say that I have teams that I, like, that I pay attention to. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, if, if somebody is a Cubs fan, but they, you know, they want to be, you know, sort of a casual side fan of like the Cleveland Indians or something. Like, I, I think that's cool. I think that's good for them. Yeah. I don't know. Um, if you are, are we good on this topic? Then? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I agree. Let us, well, let us know about good. your your sports yeah. balls. Root however you want. You can be a fan. You can just follow a team yeah. without being yeah. a fan. You can say exactly. screw sports and not watch them and be like, nah, I'm not into entertainment. Right. Yeah. You could do that. You could. Um, so yeah, so if you have, if you have thoughts on this topic, come find us on Facebook or Twitter at pretty okay pod. Let us know what you think. Now it is time for your favorite topic. Pierce is sorry. What's on tap this week? Uh, so, uh, I, so, so we did a, a podcast very early on about, I'd say, and we do this type of thing frequently, which is, you know, social situations and, and how you approach them. But, uh, you know, we, we talked at length one time about uh, going to a, a social gathering, a party, what, what, what have you, and, and bringing alcohol and what to do with it if it, if it remains uh, not drunk at the, the end of the evening. We pretty much came to the conclusion that, like, y- you should leave it there. I, I was a big proponent of that. Well, this week I'm apologizing because I broke that rule yesterday, and um, I brought, I took, I took an extended four pack and made it a six pack of beer, and I went and I guess there wasn't a lot of beer drinking, but uh, I had two of the beers, and it was time people were leaving. This was like middle of the afternoon, and I was going to another social event that I was kind of unexpected, but. Uh, I was like, oh, I should bring something. And looked around. My The beer that I brought was still in the fridge. It was now a four-pack. And so I got a plastic bag, and when everyone was leaving, I walked out with my beer, not trying to hide it or anything, but uh, I apologize for breaking a It's Pretty Okay podcast rule for taking the alcohol with me to another social event, which somehow I feel like that makes it feel worse because I took something for – I, I kind of re-gifted it, basically. I do, I do think that is worse. Yeah. There's one question. Did the person who hosted the first event, person or people, yeah. attend the second nope. event? Then then yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only scenario where it could be okay. Yeah. Well, but at, but even then, wouldn't you just say, "Hey, why don't you bring this beer?" 
Well, yeah, that's what I kind of meant, is if it was like, an, like, oh, yeah, we're all going to, like, Jimmy's house, like, bring the beer. Right, but... What, that's not what happened. The point <laughs> I'm making is that there's there's basically no scenario in which it's right for that beer to leave with you. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean... No, that's the, true. The other thing that I want to point out is, like, if I can... This is me do this. Uh, you know, no... No one, no one would have known about this if I didn't admit it here. So at least I'm owning up to to my breaking a rule. Oh, but, aren't you? Aren't you so noble? Nah, well, no, because I took it to <laughs> no, someone. I regifted exactly. something. That's uh, the point I'm making. Yeah. <laughs> you regifted something that wasn't yours to regift. Yeah. Well, you know, being noble isn't cool anymore. Everyone knows that. Fair enough. All right. Uh, it is time to close the show with a big idea from pop culture, and I believe, Pierce, that you have something from literature this week. Yeah, we're going in the Wayback Machine to a Ooh. time before the internet, I think. Uh, a, oh, wait, a that's, time when, that's, that might be trademarked. When, perhaps a time when one's sports fandom was determined more or less solely by your geographic location. Yes. Or drugs. Or drugs. Yeah, speaking of drugs, uh, I'm reading the Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, which is by Mr. Tom Wolfe, he of the white suit-wearing nature. Uh, So I'll go ahead and read a passage from this, an early passage. Thousands of kids were moving into San Francisco for a life based on LSD and the psychedelic thing. Thing was the major abstract word in Haight-Ashbury. It could mean anything. Isms, lifestyles, Habits, leanings, causes, sexual organs, thing, and freak. Freak referred to styles and obsessions as in Stuart Brand is an Indian freak, or the Zodiac, that's her freak, or just to heads in costume. It wasn't a negative word. Anyway, just a couple of weeks before, the heads had held their first big be-in in Golden Gate Park at the foot of the hill leading up into Haight-Ashbury in mock observance of the day LSD became illegal in California. This was a gathering of all the tribes, all the communal groups, all the freaks came and did their thing. So I feel like freak has fallen out of fashion um, because it's <laughs> got a very negative connotation, but the yeah. over, as you talked about oversaturation, the oversaturation of the use thing basically everywhere, the way this is presented in the book and what struck me is it's introduced as like this is the first time thing was used in the context of meaning anything uh and that just kind of you know i had to i had to vibe with that for a while um yet another yet another thing we can uh blame the bay area and silicon valley for yeah also misuse of uh mouth guards they're 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 noted for that as well i'm Um, sorry what uh it's a separate conversation about a, a certain Bay Area player who uses his mouth guard incorrectly <laughs> and annoys the crap out of me for doing it. Okay, yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I'm there. Hell uh, cool. All right, yeah. so read well, books. That was, that was enlightening. Yes, read books. They're it's good. They're good. We're pro reading. Uh, that is, I believe, the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty OK Pod. Tell us what your freak is. Uh, you can get this episode and every episode of the podcast on our home on the web at prettyokpod.com or on Apple Podcasts, uh, just about wherever else you might listen to uh, recorded internet radio broadcasts. If you do that, please subscribe, uh, leave us ratings, reviews, comments, tell a friend about the show. Uh, we would love to 
uh, introduce them to what we do here. Uh, we will be back again next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening. Bye.